listening from and welcome to indoor air quality radio iaq radio it's friday march 25th 2016 this week is episode 407 my name is radio joe hughes here with me in studio d at the controls is our engineer john you gotta have faith and joining me back from studio c in mckees rocks pennsylvania is cliff the z-man zlotnik hello cliff hey joe hey john hey guests uh, hello everybody Good day, Cliff. This week, we're going to have Ken Larson and Pete Consigli. We're going to do a Restoration Industry Association convention recap and a little industry discussion as well. Before we get started, though, let's thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at their website, jondon.com. That's jondon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IEQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at IAQ.net. And Particles Plus. They are engineers and manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Particlesplus.com. Count on us. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. And last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submit your answer is very easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. To Steve Teens Airways Environmental Services, Red Bank, New Jersey, for the first correct answer to last week's IEQ Radio Trivia Question. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, March 25, 2016, has been sponsored by Ideas LLC, a solution chemistry company creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Now for this week's IEQ tri- Radio Trivia Question. In what year was the original preceding organization, the RIA, founded, and what was it called? Back to you, Joe. 
Okay, so we've got Pete Consigli with us and Ken Larson, and later we'll be joined by Mark Salvatelli and Chuck Violand of the Restoration Industry Association. Pete is the Restoration Industry Association's, uh, he's, he's their uh, education director and advisor, and he's also, uh, we call him the, the Restoration Industry's global watchdog. Many of the listeners know Pete from previous shows. He joins us as a regular contributor. Cliff, you want to do Ken? Ken? Yeah, sure. Ken Larson uh, has been involved in the restoration industry for almost four decades as a restoration contractor, industry trainer, author, and advocate for the water damage and restoration drawing segment of the cleaning and restoration industry. He's a frequent contributor to industry trade journals, a past Golden Quill winner for CNR Magazine. He's pioneered some industry concepts that have led to mainstream industry best practices, such as digital photo inventory for contents restoration and standardized moisture content verification reports for drying products. All right, let's uh, we'll, and we'll do a little intro for Mark and Chuck before we go to the roundup. But let's get started with a little recap here, Pete. Um, hey, where's us, my music? Oh, I'm sorry. We gotta have some music. I have dinner on the ground underneath those old shade trees and sing the old songs and shape notes in four-part harmony. Like he said, the free and the hip by the me and anywhere is home. How long? Since you heard an old convention song, I'd still, I'd still love to hear, love to hear those old convention songs. Those old convention songs. I like the way you did that, Cliff. You know, we may have to do that in the future. Where's my music? No <laughs> that was good. Pete, how about a little summary recap? Give us, a, give us the uh, Cliff notes on this week's event. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Let me get kind of the housekeeping. Uh, for your listeners, kind of just run, run through the agenda and give kind of a general overview of what happened at the convention. I think it'll set the tone for Ken and Mark and Chuck uh, kind of weighing in and dovetail later. So listen, we had like about 15 uh, breakout sessions. We had uh, two general sessions and actually closing town hall and an award ceremony. So let me just kind of run down here. You know, the first series of breakout sessions, uh, there was a forensic session uh, with Jeff Jones and that um, I think that was uh, pretty well attended. That was kind of a build-off of the forensic conference at uh, RAN in Southern California last year. One of the sessions I didn't get a chance to go to, but I had really great comments on, was Everyday every, every Restore is what works for me. And um, Josiah Kapp, one of the new young emerging restorers from uh, South Florida, uh, was on that panel along with uh, Brian Strait, uh, works for Jacqueline Carpenter out at Ideal. He's one of the Purdue graduates who's working in the industry. And uh, Jeffrey Gross from Maxon's Restoration. And uh, there's really uh, restoration people talking to their fellow members about what works. Ryan McLaughlin um, uh, moderated that, and I got unbelievably great reports. Um, we had another gentleman on there um, talk about uh, innovations and different ways you can make money, uh, Chris Frenzowski. Um As we moved into the, well, oh, shoot, you know, boy, let me, uh, Mark Sabatelli is probably saying, considerably, you started that. And you didn't talk about the opening keynote. All right, let me digress for one minute, Joe. The opening keynote was uh, Judy Ferraro, and the room was packed. It was fantastic. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the title of her talk was The Resilient Multi-Generational Workplace, Merging Considerations, Strength, Wisdom, and Communication. And really what it was all about was the, the, the merging of the workplace between the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, and the millennials who 
I think in the next few years I'm going to represent 50% of the workforce. And, uh, you know, she had some humor. She had some real stories. I think it engaged our members. Quite a few of members were telling, you know, hey, they went up, they talked to her. And uh, I think it actually set a tone for the entire convention and particularly uh, some of the new emerging things with the uh, Young Restorers, Professional Restorers Committee. Ken's going to address that. Maybe Mark may weigh in. So anyway, we started off with that. Okay. Let me talk about one of the, I think, the, the most highly, uh, um, one that they talked about was the technical session. A lot of our members want, have wanted some advanced, more advanced technical stuff, and we had three or four things that really hit it out of the park. Um, there, there were two convention workshops at a time, the One Day Building Science with uh, Chris Schumacher, which is a prerequisite for WLS and CR, and also a project management course with Mickey Lee, attorney Michael Bowden, and myself, which, um, and these courses are also continue education, really, for all industry certifications. Well, the building science course that, that Chris did set the tone for this high-level session. It's called the high-level technical session for CRs and WSs. And we didn't check tags at the door, so the room is packed. It's uh, exploring advanced building science principles for applied drying. And I'm going to actually let Ken talk about that when he gets his turn here in a bit because he facilitated the session. He was in there. And, Joe, like you made a comment in one of our threads, Chris is really a new rising star in the industry, and his, his presentation, I mean, I had many people come up to me and, and tell me it was really, it was really, uh, you know, really pushing the envelope, and I think that's what we wanted. Um, there was another presentation in there, uh, the environmental one, with uh, Michael Pinto and David Weaver. Uh, kinda, I kind of got the thing to look like from the title, it was all about the acronym police, and really things that you needed to know in dealing with OSHA and EPA citations. Um, and then uh, Mike Terrell did one on how to hire great employees, not just great applicants. Um, as we moved into the next series of sessions, you know, we had the Expo Hall both days and lunch and a lot of, lot of network in there. The ISCRC S500 panel update, Mickey Lee and, and the, the three panelists really did a fantastic job. Um, Michael Bowden had the legal aspect. Ed Jones did a TPA aspect. He's the VP of Education for Code Blue. And Darren Foote, who's the Director of Technical Training for Belfort. Darren's input um, on that was unbelievable. And we're going to have a PDF um, handout of all the information that was covered in that, which will be um, part of the post-convention proceedings, the handout. The link will go out that in a few weeks. Um, we did this last year after the convention. Ken has some comments on that, too, when he gets to weigh in. That's obviously a, an item which is a, he's really passionate about. Um, Howard Partridge, it was good to have Howard. Howard's very well known in the industry. As you can see, the agenda already is kind of a mix of management, marketing, uh, and, and obviously technical stuff. Uh, he did one, everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, the Contents Council kind of uh, rolled out a whole session on uh, best practices for effective content handling. The council's kind of been turned over with uh, uh, Jay Van Deuce, uh, Tim Martin, um, uh, facilitated the session, uh, Sean Sullivan, uh, Lauren McIntyre, and Ross Kallenberg. Uh, and uh, I wasn't able to be in that, but there was at least 40, 50 people in the room, and considering that they had to compete against S500, that was really something, and um, and I, I got good comments back on that. Um, we had a very special uh, roundtable session uh, with this, uh, the New York Restorers Professional Committee, and there's both one in the U.S. and one in Canada. Uh, I stopped in, I looked at it. Jeff Cross actually mentioned something in the letter that he sent out here just not too long ago. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Ken was in there. Ken was one of the mentors, and um, I think it was probably a, a big success. Well, I know it was a big success. Um, so that kind of takes us through the first day on uh, Tuesday. And the culmination 
for their 70th uh, gala award ceremony and party. And anyone that was listening in in a few minutes before we went on heard Mark Sevitelli were talking about the photos that uh, the Army Marketing Department put together that dealt with uh, all the history of organization, pictures of just about everything. It was great. Um, there were uh, the, the three big annual awards that we give out, the, the, the Patricia Harmon Golden Crow Award. Patty was at the event this year, you know, representing Claims Magazine uh, as the editor, and we had her give the award. Uh, normally in the past, we actually announced the award ahead of time, who's going to get it, because sometimes those people may or may not be at the convention. But this year is when we knew, we knew it would be at the convention, so we didn't announce it. It was a surprise, and it's none other. At the time, he was first vice president. Now he's actually the president of the RAA, Mr. Chuck Violin from VMA. It was great. That award it was on a two-part uh, article on hiding out management, entrepreneurial business stuff. Um, the other award uh, are uh, the two Phoenix Awards. And uh, Delphore won the award this year on a uh, uh, gentleman, um, uh, Marcus, oh, Marcus Garza, he's a project manager out of Dallas on the project they did. And um, um, and the other gentleman, the other company that won it was out of Kansas City, and that was, uh, what I wrote that down now, uh, ah, that was uh, Highland Law Point. Um, they won the Recon- for Reconstruction uh, Award. And the culmination of the evening every year was the, Mar- the Marty L. King Award, and this year, uh, past president Sam Bergman won the award, and Michael Goldberg, who was last year's award winner, gave the presentation. It was very emotional, and uh, listening to Sam talk about his uh, relationship with Marty in a lot of years, I think there were some tears. Uh, I'm sure a few people welled up. And anyway, that uh, that kind of concluded, and then um, then we had music in a band that's sponsored by Sunbelt, and uh, we kind of had a party. And um, anyway, that was that celebration I was setting it here. As we move into uh, the second day, <laughs> certainly uh, Joe and Cliff and the listeners of the show know we uh, we had a, a tremendous uh, keynote panel. It was called Restores and Insurers, a Warrior Relationship on a Precipice. This was based on an article Dr. Ralph Moon wrote in the November-December issue of Cleaning and Restoration. It was a town hall-style debate with a presidential format. And uh, along with Dr. Moon on the panel was uh, Harvey Cohen, well-known in the industry advocate for retirement benefits. Um, Michael Speronis was uh, to be the counterpoint attorney, but he got ill at the last minute, so Michael Bowden stepped in, did a wonderful job. And another gentleman who I thought was terrific, a fellow named Paul Handerhan, he's the vice president of public policy for an organization in Florida called the Florida Association of Insurance Reforms there. And they're, you know, they're uh, advocates for the public. Uh, they get involved in uh, lobbying um, things in Tallahassee. They have a great report and had a tremendous perspective, I think. And, of course, the unbelievable moderators was, uh, was a Z-Man and Radio Joe. Um, and Ken Larson and Darren Foote kind of vetted the audience questions. I think we handled 35 audience handwritten questions that came in as part of the debate and the discussion. And um, and uh, Ashley used to be with the timekeeper with the bell, and I, I think we had Ed Jones and uh, uh, Rodney Harris from Rainbow and Frank Van Zandt for Thematic for the Education Committee. Handled the questions, and I, I think that went. Uh, that session, uh, I thought, think was, went really fantastic. Um, the uh, the final session of the breakout sessions um, was uh, estimating session um, and using a statistic analysis program by a fellow named William Davis. Uh, now, the Phoenix Awards. We one of the new things that the one something that the members wanted. They want case to case studies. Members talking about projects. 
So we, we've integrated something new in the program, which I think is going to become a, stand, a standard for future conventions, where we have member-to-member case studies uh, dealing, highlighting Phoenix projects. So um, this year, uh, there were two sessions that were covered. One were the, the, the two gentlemen, uh, Wes Snowden and, and uh, Bobby Brinkley, from Charter Construction, who won the award last year. And then Belfour was going to do uh, a presentation to Team Belfour in a series of their projects. That was before we knew they actually won the award this year. So actually, Matt Garza was the project manager who received the award, came in and uh, did the presentation uh, on that. We've already gotten a commitment now from the gentleman, from Harold Walton, <coughs> who won reconstruction this year. He's going to do a presentation next year uh, on the uh, uh, there. We'll probably team him up maybe with somebody else. Um, the final uh, two sessions, uh, or the final session, Right the last one of the day, very well attended, uh, and I, I think Cliff was in there part, I think Ken was in there, with a few answers to a hard problem, concrete drying. Nikki Lee and uh, Andrew Reinhardt, uh, his dad, the founder of Tramex in Ireland, uh, gave an outstanding presentation on, um, you know, the technical aspects of determining moisture content, how to dry concrete. And then the convention wrap-up was done with uh, what was a huge success last year, RA member town hall meeting. We had representatives from the Contents Council, Jay Van Deuce, Restoration Council, Jacqueline Carpenter, Environmental Council, Michael Pinto, the Canadian Council, Art Johnson, and our Australian Steering Committee. Newcomer did fantastic, a fellow named uh, Ross Reek, and uh, Vendor Council Chair Ken Rothmel, and um, big sponsor of the event. The two main sponsors of uh, the event were Sunbelt for the gala, and uh, the Tommy people sponsored the opening reception. It was packed. Was done outside by the pool, uh, it, it, you know, full yard. Um, basically, uh, uh, kind of report to the members on what they got going on, what they have in the future. I reached out to all of them. I asked that they um, give me some of the general bullet point comments, and we're hoping to prepare that as a post convention uh, handout with the proceedings. And uh, and the new president Chuck Boyolan facilitated that kind of open and close the convention out. Um, I think with that, that kind of concludes. Uh, the, one, uh, the one last thing I would like to say, I really want to give a big shout-out, and I know he's listening, is John Lapator. Right now, John is presently and has been the vice president, or has been the, uh, uh, the, the chair of education for IQA. He's in the strategic alliance with RA, sits on our education council. Many of you know in July he'll become the new president. Him and, uh, and his wife Lydia were at the event networking. I uh, really appreciated that fact. And then on the Thursday after the event, we had a, a by the Restoration Council hosted a, a member tour of our local members' um, um, uh, emergency services for reconstruction, uh, Blaine and LaDonna Oni. It was fantastic. Uh, John came, some of the local members came, the Aussies, uh, Cliff, uh, Ken Larson, about 20, 25 members, and um, a network. They gave us a complete tour. Sunbelt sponsored the lunches, which is really fantastic. Let me just talk as I wrap up of one of the highlights of that. So, you know, Mark was going to come, and uh, he had all kinds of problems with his plane. His, his reservation was canceled, and he, and, and he only had one time he could fly out. It was early in the morning, and uh, I know he really wanted to come. But I'll tell you, Josiah, young Josiah Cap attended that, that conference of the uh, plant tour, and he was just so taken back for it because um, – you know, the members, they took pictures, take any pictures. It was nothing that was, you know, proprietary. It was sharing. 
And this is how many of us really grew our businesses years ago. We haven't done these tours in a while, and I, I think they want to come back. I think the new millennials want that. So let me tell you what Josiah said at the very end. He came into the room, a bunch of us were there, the Onis, and he said, you know, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate this. You have no idea how much you've changed my view and the perspective, really, on growing my business by having the opportunity to do this. And he closed by saying this. He says, I'll check back in with you next year and let you know my progress. I mean, that really got me. Right. Anyway, that's my report, guys. Thank you for the time on that, and thank you on behalf of REA to allow us to share with the listeners, really, the highlights in the agenda of our convention. Well, that was a great recap, um, Ken. Let's let's go into a little bit about what we you know what you learned and and what you can pass along to listeners. Some new information. Um, what kind of new things did you learn at this year's convention? Well, it's hard to narrow it all down, and I could probably take just as much time as Pete did doing the recap and, the, and what I learned from this thing. Um, but I want to say that uh, the the one that. Uh, got my interest right off the start with the S-500 presentation, you know, being an instructor, uh, the impact of a new standard is going to have a huge uh, influence on what I say in front of a group. So uh, I definitely went to that uh, presentation, and Mickey Lee did an incredible job. Uh, You know, in many ways, I I look to him as as a bit of an example for uh, other instructors, including myself. Uh, But I do want to say that uh, one of the things that was really big in that presentation was heavily emphasized, and that is that the S-500, the standard, is distinguished from the R-500, the reference guide. While they currently exist in the same binding, there is uh, a good chance that there might be, or that there is, they're, they're already talking about separating the two documents. Now, only the standard has the ANSI logo. The reference guide does not. Furthermore, they changed some language in the forward of the new S-500, whereas in the 2006 version, they used to say that the two documents were to be used in tandem. Now they took that expression out. They're not necessary, they're not to be used in tandem. They complement each other, but they're not to be considered in, in tandem. Now that really distinguishes the message from the white pages from the blue pages. And that's going to change our discussions with those who uh, want to uh, start talking about the standard of care. So it was a really big deal for me, especially as I stand in front of a, a classroom of students when they're asking some of these questions. I can now distinguish and carefully phrase what is a standard of care and what is not a standard of care and what is not ANSI. Anyway, that was huge for me. And that's, I guess that's huge for people to understand because... You know, a lot of the complaints I heard were, you know, restorers are concerned that other people are taking control of their projects, and oftentimes they've got young people that are reviewing their uh, scopes and or their invoices telling them that, you know, you didn't need this many air movers or whatever because of this this reference within the reference document. And and I, I assume you're saying that is not necessarily going to be, they shouldn't be able to do that in the future. You know, Radio Joe, I've got to tell you, um, that was one of the really heavily discussed um, uh, messages at the, actually throughout the, the presentation, as well as among the, the attendees to this event, is that we were all uh, committed to uh, being more forceful with our conversations with those who would debate our invoices and, and our processes. 
to really distinguish what the standard is saying from what the reference guide and to really represent the message contained within the standard in a more responsible fashion. So I think that was one of the conclusions uh, uh, made by those who attended that, and I was really excited to see that. We really have to know how to use that tool competently. Uh, and when I say this, I'm sorry, I'm going to be clear. We need to know how to use the standard competently. That's, that, that was a good message. And it sounds like the committee, you know, took a lot of the criticism they got to heart and found a way to, you know, you were critical, um, get people like you and others to come to the point where you're saying, you know, they, they got this uh, somewhat correct. You know, you're right. I was incredibly critical, and I know I was difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> I'm going to admit it. But the end result, and it's not just my comments, it's everybody's comments. The end result is that this document is far closer to something that I believe represents a competent practice in our industry than it has ever been. I'm, a, I'm a, actually quite a fan of the new document. Great. All right. What else did we learn? And Cliff, do you jump in here any time? Well, I think that my OCE friend, my obsessive, critical, and exacting friend, Ken Larson, uh, handled the S500 uh, yeah, recollection real well, so I don't have anything to add to that. Okay. Let's, what else did we learn, Ken? Uh, wow. I, actually, I don't have anything uh, more to add on, on that. I mean, I could, like I said, I could go on quite a bit. Well, let me let me compliment you on another um, another session, and that was Chris Schumacher's session on building science. I picked up a few, I thought, very important, uh, you know, key points from his his session. First, for listeners, um, Ken, uh, I'm sorry, Chris is um, a building scientist. He used to be with Building Science Corporation. Now he's in uh, Canada. Him and John Straub have a, a company up there, and they were bought out by a bigger company. I can't remember the name of it, but it doesn't matter. Very well respected in the building science community, but also very experienced in the water damage restoration world. So they're the guys called in when there's an argument about something. And he was using uh, Woofy, which is a, a modeling program, to show the people in the crowd what actually happens when something gets wet. And he used the example of a gym floor where uh, there was a vapor barrier starting from the ground, then a vapor barrier, then, um, let's see, I think there was some uh, OSB or, or um, plywood underneath, and then we had the maple floor on top, and he was on oh, concrete, I'm sorry, there was the vapor barrier, then the concrete. And he was showing how things got wet and and then you know how they dried out using this simulation program and I, I thought it was fascinating and one of the things he said that that really stuck with me was in an ex, in a simulation i believe it was they looked at just concrete that had been poured in a new construction and they they determined that it would take 10 years for that concrete at 60 percent relative humidity indoors to get totally dried after new construction. And I thought that was fascinating. I don't know if you recall that, Ken, or not. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up and reminded me of it because uh, that was absolutely a highlight. Uh, Chris Schumacher and I had a chance to talk after his event and share notes. Some of the information that he was sharing is uh, absolutely new to our industry. I know that a lot of us feel that we are uh, have a, a solid understanding of the relationship between the moisture content and materials and the 
environment in which it resides and the influence of which way the moisture will go. You know, does the material get wetter or does it get drier? And we think that we have this, you know, fair understanding of, of the process. Well, he uh, uh, went through some of these physics of what happens uh, uh, when a material starts to get uh, 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 or is exposed to a humid environment. And, of course, the reverse of that as well. I will tell you that the, the mechanics, the physics, the, the, the changes and how the water molecule changes the, uh, and, and uh, becomes part of the hydroscopic material is unique a unique message that I have never heard before, and I, my head's still spinning as a, a result of this information. So uh, I expect that there's going to be changes in the next few years as to how far down that rabbit hole we go in order to understand the relationship between humidity and hydroscopic materials. So, I mean, totally cool, cool information. And I'm, I, I want to say one more thing. I am thrilled that Chris Schumacher is making more of a, a presence known in our industry's uh, education. I, 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 he's going to have a huge impact on it. Uh, he's, a, he's a rising star, no question. We, we're going to get him on the show here in the not-too-distant future. Let me throw out one more thing that I, I picked up in that presentation, and and that was, you know, he looked at different types of drying as well. So it was a simulation, you know, and he looked at the different materials, the concrete, the wood, and how they were drying under different scenarios. And, and one of the things he pointed out that I thought was important and that reminds me of some things Cliff has said over the years, actually, is that when they used the heat, it didn't always necessarily dry it the way you would expect. And in some cases, the heat kind of pushed the water deeper into materials. And I thought that was an interesting point for him to bring up. Uh, because, you know, we're going to use heat, we're going to see heat being used on projects, but I think we have to be careful about how we use it and realize that it's not a panacea. That was a definite subject after the event. There was uh, certain individuals in there who are, um, uh, I don't know, favorably, favorably disposed towards using high temperatures in their drying processes. And uh, the uh, implication of where the water went as a result of introducing that energy, was a subject of some pretty interesting dialogue at the end of it. And I think there will be. You know, there, go ahead. So, one of the things that one of the things that I like that he did is the experiments with the dye, where they put dye into the water, and you could see materials being wetted, and you could see that um, you know, for instance, in, in carpet cleaning, we would have things cellulosic browning and the moisture. We weren't sure exactly why the carpet would turn brown, and you know what happens is as the, as the water uh, is removed by moisture, uh, yeah, by evaporation, by capillary action, uh, you know, it gets to the top of the fiber, and the moisture goes away. But what the moisture is carrying, any soil, uh, you know, any you know natural color colorant such as lignin or whatever that you know, could be in that carpet. Uh, you know, stay behind, and it was very interesting to see, uh, you know, the staining in the wood, and, um, you know, it kind of brought it home for me. Cliff, were there any other key points, learning, you know, the aha moments where the light came on that you'd like to pass along to listeners? That was my, pri that was my primary one. I think all the other ones were, were, were covered. I just like, 
you know, you know, to me, you know, sometimes you look at theories and sometimes you look at mathematical calculations and uh, uh, delta points and, and, and so on and so forth. But when you actually can see it, it makes a lot more sense to me. And I think that visually seeing what happened in those experiments and, and you know, the, the way that he had the time delay, you know, this is at five minutes and this is an hour and two hours and you know, 24 hours and, and so on and so forth. I just think it made it very, very easy to understand some concepts that are quite complex. Yes. One, one of the other things I would, I would like to say to that is that uh, Chris Schumacher, while he talked about the value of this software program, the Woofy software program, he was very, very careful about uh, uh, those who would use that software program as uh, a conclusive and an absolute proof of uh, an idea. He said he was very cautious about its use being used in that fashion. He said that the person had to have to use their experience in uh, in conjunction with the uh, model. Uh, they had to use their uh, their training and their understanding of different subjects. So the, the Woofy tool was a valuable element of coming to a responsible conclusion, and um, I think that that was an important understanding for the audience to know is that this did not represent uh, an absolute uh, uh, factual conclusion. And in fact, he said when people in court use it in that fashion, they're, they're quickly cornered. And so um, I think that's an important understanding. Extremely important, Ken. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to uh, emphasize even more that, yes, that was a key point and modeling and simulating disasters or, or water damage or drying is a lot different than actually being out there in the field and doing it. And um, the good part with, uh, with Chris is that he has – had the field experience he's been out there working on projects he's not a drying guy but he's been on projects where people are doing drying he's he's had to testify on those types of projects as well and i think that's a very important point and and really he's just scratching the tip of the iceberg at this point there are so many other combinations that need to be looked at and then there are different you know experiments that need to be run so that we can verify that what he's seeing in the program and what he's modeling is actually what's going to happen out in the real world. So there's a long way to go, and hopefully RIA will continue to bring Chris to these events and let him add on each year to uh, what he's presented in the past. All right, let's go, and uh, we've got to stop and thank our sponsors, but we'll be back in 90 seconds with the second half of our, of our interview. We've got Ken Larson and Pete Consigli, and we'll soon be joined by Chuck Violand and Mark Selvatelli. And thanks to our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. The Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Thanks to our advertisers. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. 
Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Visit them at legends-enviro.com and, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at their website, jondon.com. That's jondon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IEQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at IAQ.net. And Particles Plus. They are engineers and manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, let's get back to the second half of our interview. We've got Pete Consigli. We've got Ken Larson. Pete, I want to go back to you and um, give you a moment to discuss the future of the industry. Uh, What are your thoughts on the current state of the disaster restoration industry? Where are we headed in the future? I mean, we can't discuss every topic, obviously, but pick one that's important to you, and let's uh, dive into it a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the... Probably the, the most important issue for restorers is how do how do we move past this this uh, contentious relationship that has existed with the carriers with the TPAs you know this this divide now you know REA under the auspices of our association we started talking about this almost ten years ago we had a series of the Donnybrook debates and. Um, dealt with a variety of different issues, and there was a gap for a year or two, and then we talked about the closing the gap. The difference with the initial debates, there was point-counterpoint. The gap was more of a cordial uh, discussion where we kind of talked about what are the common challenges and, um, you know, define the solutions. And then, you know, I was going to break in that for a couple of years. Well, it's kind of been bubbling up, and um, probably about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, uh, I started to visualize and see uh, the next level of these discussions, uh, narrowing the divide, the wary relationship on the precipice that exists between restorers and insurers. And this is what everybody's talking about in the field, in the industry, the, uh, the, particularly in Florida with the, with the assignment of benefits. And uh, Chris Schumacher is the one who said, you know, everyone, everyone was talking about Florida as being the Wild West. Chris was the guy who looked at it at arm's length from Canada and said, Pete, um, I, think, I think it's really, you guys are like the gangs in New York. You said, really, it's not like the Wild West. And as soon as he said that, it kind of characterizing, you know, well, that's probably a pretty good assessment for Canadians standing aside to kind of look at the American market. But it isn't just the American market, it's the global market. These issues exist in the UK and Oceania and, you know, Australia, uh, New Zealand, and et cetera. So the panel discussion that we had really has kind of kicked off a new uh, industry discussion. And um, so I, I kind of started off with the setup talking about over the last five or six months, what, how has it been covered covered by the industry press? And uh, Tim Hall, uh, the project management um, uh, uh, guy, um, I don't want to say Google. People hate to use that word Google, but he's, he's a project management expert, and he has spearheaded for vital management their, their project management course that they have at the Kent State University. And he wrote an article in R&R in October called The Restoration Industry Divide, the Order Takers and the Business People. 
and quoted a lot of points that Marty King has really kind of brought up in the last 10, 15 years leading up to his passing last year. For one, I didn't know Tim was right now or going. He didn't know that uh, myself and Eric Burr committee were working with Ralph Moon to write his. That came out uh, a month later, and it was funny. I, me and Tim talked about that, and he said, yeah, independent of each other, we wrote an article that was kind of talking about the same stuff. Well, when I looked at the insurance industry journals, um, the two big ones are Claims Magazine and the uh, uh, CLM, which is Claims Litigation Management. They have a claims-related version that comes out monthly. And then they have the, the quarterly magazine and the litigation stuff, the case, case law. So there's a number of articles that all come in the last three or four months. One of them is uh, written under the fraud squad, squad uh, section in there where it talks about broken trust between insurers and independent claims adjusters. And it talks about some of the graft and corruption that's actually going on and the trust has been broken. Ralph Moon does a lot of research stuff that gets published at CNN and he had one called Fifty Shades of Moisture, visual clues that tell a story of uh, foundational water damage, and he talks about duration. I actually, as listening to you and Ken talk, I think we need to get actually Ralph and Chris together to talk about the research and maybe do something, some kind of a joint thing on the convention next year. I think Ken's shaking his head. I think that would be fantastic. Then another important article was how much does how much is too much? And this was a fellow named Tom Lackey. He's with the with the uh, oral, oral service provided by Lindsay Cunningham, their major, um, you know, uh, independent adjusters. Um, the, that, those are all from claims, uh, claims management. The, the litigation management, and I mentioned this, this ALP thing in Florida is big, and we got a good report on, you know, where the state, uh, where the state of Florida is on that. But um, California just had precedent-setting case law. Uh, in litigation management, recent winter issues of California reverses the force. Assignment of benefit policy benefits are valid as long as the insurer has uh, suffered a loss. And so that that's going to be that's that's big stuff. So you, the two opposite ends of the, of the nation are dealing with that. Um, Patty Arnold, who was there covering our, our conference on, on claims, they, she was actually going to put an article in claims. She's been working one on the on the Orleans, Florida. Time to benefits, and what happened was, is when uh, once she found out and realized that we were having this panel debate, she actually held off. And um, I think in upcoming April or May, she'll she'll have an article uh, on the issue of weighing in. So you have all the major claims journals, you have all the major uh, um, uh, uh, industry trade journals, and there was one that was conspicuous, conspicuously missing, and that happens to be one of the platinum sponsors of uh, the show, Playback. I saw Jeff Cross uh, at the breakfast before this, and I said, Jeff, I just want to give you a heads up on this. So I'm going to kind of not call you out. People are saying I called Jeff out. You know, I really didn't call Jeff out. I don't know who's trying to stir up this stuff. I, what I did is I, I felt I actually gave him a free apology. I said, Jeff, I'm going to feel bad that I mentioned all, all the other magazines. I didn't mention Clean Facts. It's the point of that. I haven't seen anything from you on Clean Facts. So just this morning, Jeff sends an open letter out to the industry, and I'm not sure whether he's now calling me out or whatever. But anyway, he's stirring it up. So actually, that's a good thing. And apparently he's going to be taking a position, and he's now giving me a head up, and he's going to weigh in. And Jeff, just if you're listening, you'll see Cliff Block as a heads up. You'll probably be getting a letter to the editor from me, but you may not. It just kind of depends what you're right. But now, between us, since nobody else listens except the listeners, I love your P.S. in this thing. You know, uh, what's your P.S.? Well, 
That's the end of the letter to the industry. But the rest of this email is a shameless plug for my Chicago presentation in May. You know what? The Restoration Dragons, here's the title of your sponsor. That's being hosted at John Knight in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> It's all really good because that, that's a workshop which he does annually with Peter Croza. Parker Cohen's been involved. Um, Bill Yaden and uh, Sonny Ahuja, I know if I pronounced it wrong, they do it annually in Chicago. It's very well attended, and they really talk about how to work with the insurance industry, how to do it. I guess what I'd like to say is this. So none of the listeners misunderstand Jeff's letter and, and misunderstand the deal. The question isn't really about... Um, you know, uh, the divide, as much as it's about how do we learn to work more closely together to serve the common customer, the disaster victim, or the, the policyholder. And I think Ken had mentioned in Mickey Lee's presentation, S500, he talks about the relationship of the insurers, the policyholders, and the restorers in the restoration triangle, but he talks more so, let's concentrate on the project. If we all look at doing what's right for the actual project and we serve the needs of the project, at the end of the day, that should serve the insurers, it should serve the restorers, and it should serve the policyholder. We've really kind of stuck in the middle of it. And I think the, the question is, uh, you know, the biggest question to kind of wrap up, those of you that were there know that I, I did a, uh, I did a, the, the opening before I introduced the speakers and brought the panel up was based on a presentation that Marty King did 10 years ago identifying, and this is the heart of what Jeff has in his uh, email that he sent out, who's the customer? And I think people need to decide, is it the insurance company or is it the homeowner, the policyholder? Marty made it very clear 10 years ago, uh, the message through today as it was then, that as restorers, our customer is the policyholder. And the relationship with the insurance company is, uh, is different and it's separate. And uh, anyway, so for whatever that's worth, um, I think these are where the emerging issues are. Uh, again, I will, uh, Joe and Cliff, I think you guys did a fabulous job of handling uh, not only the stage questions with the panel, but then handling all the audience questions. I think it went great. I think we've started a new discussion. Uh, Cleanback is laying in. Plans will be laying in. Got all the journals going, and let's build in the discussion through the magazines, through social media, and uh, as we build up to our convention uh, next year in Palm Springs in April, I think that... Um, well, maybe, maybe you're going to find a session to join the program that kind of continues the discussion and how we can concentrate on the solutions. And uh, once we've identified, I think, where the real a core or jugular issues are. So I'll turn it back to you, boys. Okay. Cliff, do you have anything to add? I've got one comment I'd like to make on that. Um, not really. Go All right. Ahead. When I, you know, we did the bridging the divide and, and there was a you know a good discussion about the differences insurers and and restorers may have, and then you know we talked about Harvey and the assignment of benefits, and and he's been trying to help you know restorers in the Florida area through that. And I I I kept it kept going back to documentation that you know the insurance companies are not happy with some of the documentation. And the restorers feel like um, they're providing maybe that documentation. They're not getting credit for it. And, and maybe some of them aren't doing a good job on documentation. It's obviously bigger than that. Ken, can you weigh in on this for me a little bit? Is it is it all just about the documentation and that we have to do a better job documenting things? Or is it a much bigger issue and I'm missing the point? Well, 
Yeah, the documentation is absolutely important. However, uh, we have to remember what the documentation is for. It's in order to communicate the facts about a job. So the while documentation is an important element of communication, if you're looking at the bigger picture, the subject is about communication. And so I really think that it's important that our uh, documentation be incredibly accurate with the purpose of communicating the, the nuances and the facts about the job. Does that make sense? Sure. I, I think you're right. It is a bigger issue. It's a communication issue. And um, we've got to do a better job of bridging that divide like, you know, Pete's talking about here. We've got to – and I I was kind of struck by the fact that there, there didn't seem to be a lot of insurance people present at the conference. There were a few. I mean, there was, you know, a handful that put up their hand when I asked the question, uh, how do we get that to change? How do we bring more insurance people in to these conferences so that, you know, we can get everybody on the same page again if they ever were? Yeah, let me comment on that. We, we've been trying. I mean, we've been trying to do that. I think the, the, the KI has been trying to do that. All the shows. I mean, look, corporate, uh, corporate contract connection is a big one, and obviously there's a lot of RA members there, and you know, it's a big show. Um, but under that policy, if you're on their program, that's part of the requirements. You have to come to the show, and obviously they have a lot of their, a lot of their insurance clients are there to make show. But some of the, some of the other TPA members, uh, such as Gold Blue, Alacrity, Others who are members of RAA, you know, they have been discussions. They also hold shows. And if they held a show in the proximity and location around the annual RAA event, they're not only going to bring restorers and contractors to those shows what they want, but they're also going to bring insurers to those shows. And if somehow that can be packaged around a quote unquote, something I've been talking about for years and I've mentioned in the show before, an RAA week, which is the annual event for the restoration industry. Then you have these other strategic partners, these members, you know, whatever you want to call them, who have a mutual interest. And the mutual interest is that they individually want to have their own shows to deal with their, you know, what their issues are as commercial entities. But under, in the nonprofit sector, you come to an association to associate together to do what you can't do individually. Well, if that opportunity existed and some people would, you know, take some leadership in that deal that could be mutually beneficial. Then in the same cities, not necessarily in the same hotel, but in the same proximity where they don't directly conflict, there could be things that could be set up where those adjusters can uh, attend our show, walk the expo hall, you'll get more of the interaction. Right now what we have is we have a handful of TPAs, a handful of carriers, and some of them come, you know, with the, some of the larger members and vendors that they work with, and this is all good. They've been doing that for years. But I think the point that you're trying to say, and we all want to work on how can we increase it? How can we make it better? I mean, you get that interaction with the PLRB, but the PLRB is different. That's the annual show. Most of our members, you know, 50, 60 members exhibit there, and they're there concentrating on business, getting business, doing, building the relationships, and that's okay. That needs to happen. But when you come to the, to the, to the, not the trade show, the, the, uh, under the banners of, uh, you know, the nonprofit, then the goal is, is how can you edu- educate yourself better? How can you look at the body of knowledge? How can you look at the standard of care? How can you look at the latest best practices? And how can you use that information where you can accurately help the client scope, deal with the latest issues, to, to work more closely together really for the mutual benefit? And until that happens, and it's not like we haven't been working, but it's, it's tough and it's challenging, Joe. And, um, but, you know, there are people listening in on this show and people who read the blog who, who can impact and affect that change. 
Well, there's another issue that it goes a little deeper, too, because RIA is a big organization, but the restoration industry is much larger, and it's fractured. Uh, we've got the, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the IICRC. Well, they don't really have a conference, so um, and I don't know how much they support the RIA conference. It seems like not much. Um, and so the industry seems very fractured, and then you've got other small regional associations that don't seem to work together very well. It seems, it seems to me like it's a, a bigger problem than um, maybe maybe than just communication or or um, uh, you know documentation etc. There's a fractured industry that needs to somehow come back well, together. Well, Joe, so so let me let me address that. I think there, there are two things when we talk about the industry being divided. One is the relationship between the third insurance. We beat that up. We talk about that. The other one you brought it up. It's a sensitive issue. Look. The IICRC has had a booth at our convention for as many years as I can remember. I don't believe that they were there this year. But the IICRC, although not uh, officially represented there, are represented through the members of RIA. They're represented through Pete Duncanson, who comes for service master. He's the chairman. They're represented by all the, the, the members of all the large national groups who are, a lot of them are on the education committee, and, and many of them are members of RIA, and they're... They're parts of the certification council, their IICRC instructors. So those are not formally their viewpoints or opinions. John Downey is there. He comes all the time. He's the editor of the IICRC journal. So it's kind of represented in that format. For instance, in April at Georgia Tech, uh, John Downey and Stephen Spivak are having the uh, IICRC technical conference the joint in conjunction with Sirius. It's going to follow the board meetings and the certification council meeting. Well, they, they reached out, they invited REA to participate and asked for a speaker to talk about our fire standards. Lee King, who chairs the FS2, uh, is going to be there giving them. They asked me to serve, uh, to be on one of the panels to talk a little bit about uh, the body, the certified restorer body of knowledge. So there is dialogue and communication going on. And and, um, and I, I mean, fractionization within the industry, special interest, difference of people, it's not something that's exclusive to cleaning and restoration. It exists in all industries, and what happens is it's all about the people in the organization trying to put the put their personal agendas aside and say, "Look, who are we trying to serve, and how can we communicate better to to serve the constituents?" and And uh, it's not easy. And if it was, everybody would do it. So, um, okay, you know, whatever that's well, I think that's fair. We have time to uh, consider my comment here, Joe. Please, Ken, go ahead. Yeah, just really quickly, I want to say, I, just, I found it fascinating that you asked me a question about documentation, and I uh, made it clear that uh, I think that the greater issue is about communication. And then you followed up with the question, how can we get more insurers to come to our convention? Again, we're trying to communicate with the insurers. We're trying to improve communication. This is the nature of this fragmentation or this uh, fracture that you speak of, is that there's got to be a, a, a more intense focus on improving the communication between the two people who are typically butting heads. And uh, until we can figure that out, we're probably going to continue to uh, butt heads and continue to be stressed. So I think it's a, it's a, a, a very top-of-mind uh, subject, and we've got to figure it out collectively. Hey, Joe? Yes. So to wrap, this, to wrap this one little section up, one of the things, you know, Jacqueline Carpenter, who's the chair of the Restoration Council, at the town hall meeting, she did kind of make a comment. And I, I'm going to defer to Mark and Chuck if they want to comment on this. But 
there are things that are going on to try to work towards establishing some venues out there in the industry where uh, the insurers and the restorers and all the other stakeholders that are involved, the software providers, the PPAs, you know, all the specialty vendors, to, uh, to, to, to have a venue to basically be able to communicate kind of in a, in a non-special interest venue or form. And um, those things are happening, you know, and uh, the collision industry has done this where the body shops, you know, work together uh, for mutual benefit with the insurers, and that model really can be applied to property. And traditionally, many things that happen in the collision industry after a while kind of filter down really to the property industry. I think some of that stuff's happening now. It isn't a perfect world, and um, but uh, through talking and good communication, like Ken said, uh, I think it gets better. So uh, maybe maybe we're on the horizon, and maybe uh, you know maybe maybe this you know it's not so gloomy. Let's put the frost kind of out in there. Maybe the sun's going to be shining here because after every storm and every bit of thunder, and eventually there's a rainbow. And at the end of the rainbow, it's a pot of gold. So. All right. well, let's let's uh, leave it with some optimism and let's go to the roundup. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw. All right, we got the roundup. I believe we've got both uh, Chuck Viol and Chuck. Are you on the line now? I'm here, Joe. Can you hear me? Uh, great. Good to have you. You sound, you know, five by five, as my buddy Don in Virginia says. Sounds good, Chuck. Great to have you. Any uh, final comments on, you know, anything we've talked about here today or the conference or communication or industry fragmentation? Give us your best. Oh, good gracious. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of material covered there. A lot of material covered there. I thought the conference uh, was outstanding. Naturally, I'm going to bring a very biased opinion to it. But I thought the technical sessions were very well attended, and they were outstanding. From what I heard, because I was not able to attend any of them, I thought the panel discussion at the beginning and the and the uh, the town hall at the end were both very good, and they were both very well attended. So I, I thought the conference was great as far as communication goes, and getting uh, industries together. I and mean, there's no question about that. I also think that in order to get people to attend the RA convention, we're going to have to create a safe environment for people to want to come to it and, uh, and get together there. But no, I thought, I thought it was great, Joe. Well, let me, let's turn it over to Mark Salvatelli. Mark, you're the, I, I think executive director, pardon me if I've got the wrong title, but um, you're the RIA's executive director. You've been around a few years now. I'm curious, first off, how, how was the attendance? Was this, uh, uh, you know, above average year, below average year, great year? Yeah, I, it was a little bit below last year, Joe, um, but I don't think that that probably surprised us all that much um, in that, you know, we've been in a cycle now, and, and to some degree, a lot of the shows in the industry have been in the same cycle of Las Vegas, Orlando, Las Vegas, Orlando. Thank you. Uh, so this is the fourth consecutive year, exactly. I mean, I, I, I think your sentiments right there say it all. Um, so this is the fourth consecutive year of, you know, either or. Um, so we were a little bit down overall, um, but where we were down um, it, it, it's, is probably the most telling part, and that is um, the number of paid registrants, the restorers themselves, was pretty much on par with last year. Where we were down is we didn't have as many people 
um, on the exhibitor side that uh, that were signed up. Exhibitors are allowed to bring a couple of people um, as part of their package, and there weren't as many of those this year. So the numbers were down, but the people, the key people, uh, not to belittle the exhibitors, but the, but the key attendees who are target audiences, that, that, that was pretty much right on par. Okay. I actually thought it was pretty well attended. I'm surprised it was a little down from last year, but uh, maybe it's because the sessions I went to were so well attended, but and and the uh, well, the dinner too. Well, Joe, to that point, um, I, I think you bring up something I would say is probably the best takeaway from the RAA conference, um, and that is the quality, I think, of the sessions that we put together. Now, like Chuck said, I think both he and I and, and probably Pete and Ken DeBooth are all going to look at this through a bit of a jaded perspective. That being said, um, you know, one of the things that we had heard about from our conference last year was is we, you know, attendees wanted to see RIA up its game, if you will, uh, in terms of, you know, the real um, quality of the sessions they were provided. And as you heard Pete and Ken both talk in the beginning of this interview, you know, they cited a number of really good technical sessions with great information that came out. And, you know, when you hear comments like that, I think it really proves that. Um, and, and, and I think that's really going to help not just RIA, but the industry as well, too, if you know, we can continue to replicate that success. Right, we had a lot of people in those rooms. Go ahead. Weigh in. Well, I didn't want to interrupt Mark, but yeah, if I could weigh in, I, I agree with what Mark is saying. And I think that, Joe, maybe one of the reasons it seemed like the attendance was up or at least not down, I thought the energy was much higher. I think the, the tone, the mood at RIA right now is really strong. And I'm very much looking forward to building on that. And I think we will. I think you're right, Chuck. I noticed the difference. People were, people were excited about the conference. People were excited about their their role in the industry. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I thought um, it was well uh, coordinated. Everything seemed to go very well. Congratulations, Mark. And your group did a fine job. Um, and let's, mm -hmm. Cliff, let me, let me turn it over to you and let's give everybody a final chance to say a final word. If there's anything we missed or they'd like to add. I have a couple of things, Joe. I, I, you know, I was so busy there that there were people that I wanted to see. Uh, you know, Pete, who I'm close to, Ken Larson, who I'm close to. You know, we had a dinner, uh, I, I guess, the, after the event closed. And, you know, we were sitting around for hours and talking not about helping ourselves, not about helping our businesses, but about how can we help RIA and, and how can we help it domestically and how can we can help it internationally and what can be done in Australia. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing that people love that organization. The second thing for me was during the debate and, uh, you know, it was hard, you know, we're asking questions and trying to take notes and, uh, you know, multitasking is not one of the things that I'm really good at. Uh, there was something that's, that, that was said in there that just triggered uh, an idea for me that I, I really think can put uh, RIA in a very, very unique position uh, in the future. And I was excited about it. I had an opportunity to, to share it with Mark Springer. And uh, I'm not sure whether he liked it or whether he wants to take it further or not. But it can be a way, I think, to, to help RIA uh, 
you know, in the future. But I'm going to keep it a little close to the vest at this point. Ken, do you have any final thoughts, final final comments? Uh, well, just really quickly here. Uh, one of the, the programs that I had the uh, actual the, the absolute pleasure of just being able to be part of was the Young Restorers uh, Networking and Mentoring uh, event. And uh, there were several uh, gurus. That I know Pete just said nobody likes to be called a guru, but I call them gurus because they are truly, they're mind mentors, to talk out loud. And um, they were in the room, and uh, these uh, young restorers were able to uh, uh, just open up a really frank discussion about how they can uh, develop their careers. Now, the reason why that was uh, just so special to me was because the RIA, uh, formerly the ASVR, at least when I got in as the ASVR, uh, my colleagues were saying, oh, that's a good old boys club. Ah, it's not, you know, all that great. It's a good old boys It's very cliquish and whatever. Uh, I want to announce, uh, I've seen the changes over the years, especially this year. The RIA is not a good old boys club. We have actually gone out of our way to... Uh, bring young restorers under our wing in order to try and guide them and coach them to a successful career. And I think that's going to be a trend in the RIA. I, I really do. You know, to look into these new restorers' eyes and see that enthusiasm and that spark, uh, you know, it inspired me to go, oh, yeah, I remember that feeling. Oh, that, I remember that. What happened to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. so it was good for me. But it was also, you know, hopefully we were able to share with them some of our experience so that they can fast-track their careers to something special. And they can, uh, you know, fill in the seat uh, 20 or 30 years from now and be able to remember the day they sat in this group. So, I don't know. I sat there. It gave me goosebumps. That's all I can tell you. You know, I think that's an important uh a comment that you're, you're making there, Ken, because they are the future of this industry and they... Um, they don't seem to be as concerned about bridging the divide. I don't know. They seem to be getting along just fine, at least the ones I've been talking to. I mean, they, they are concerned about it, but, uh, you know, they seem to be finding a way to make it work, and they'll be the, uh, they'll be the foot soldiers for many years to come. So I'm, I'm glad you guys had a, a session specifically for that group. I think that was a smart move. All right, any, any other final comments? Let's go to uh, Chuck Fionn. Chuck, incoming president. Final comments. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, Ashley, Ken, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was in that room with the young restorers, and I'll tell you what, when I was done with that meeting, I was so fired up. It was so exciting, the energy. Um, and the absence of, I'm going to say, the absence of ego. More importantly, the young restorers are just a blank slate. All they want to do is learn and grow in this association. How can you not be excited about that? It was outstanding. And Joe, finally, I'll just look quickly. If you're at the convention, uh, your listeners were at the convention, thank you for attending. If not, and even if you were, look forward to seeing you next April in Palm Springs. Yeah, a little change of pace. That'll be nice. Okay, Mark, any final comments? Yeah, just a final comment. You know, one of the things I think any attendee probably saw this year was a big change right from the start of the program. You know, in years past, we have always recognized recipients of RIA certifications at a special session, you know, but you, you had to purchase a ticket to come to it. This year, we recognize all those people right up front in front of that 
general session that Pete talked about in the beginning of his comments that was, you know, just a packed house. That was on purpose. You know, we want these people to get the recognition by all their peers. But it also is indicative, I think, of where you're seeing RA education go in general. You know, a couple of years ago, because of strategic priorities, we, we got away from what RA was known for, and that, and that is our education. You know, not only do we have a good conference this year, we've got two uh, technical conferences that are going to occur this fall. Our, uh, we're bringing back the Focus on Forensics Conference for its second consecutive year uh, in St. Louis this fall. And then we're going to bring back the Contents Conference again. And that's going to be in early November and very likely will be in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think that this is just indicative of the education that we're bringing back, not only here in the States, but doing our REA prerequisite courses up in Canada for any of your listeners that are in Canada as well, too. So REA education, Joe, is, is coming back full steam ahead. And uh, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of our members are really glad to see that. Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks for joining us. And, Pete, I'm going to give you the final word. Well, th- thank you, uh, Joe. I, a couple comments. First of all, I'm, Mark, I'm, I'm really happy you brought up about the uh, induction in the beginning. I kind of I, I, I missed that, so thanks for covering my butt because uh, changing, <laughs> it, you know, changing it from uh, out of the awards ceremony, which was, I think, a tremendous idea to do that, because uh, then we were able to get on to the party after we had the main awards out. And I really love the idea, and I'm very open with the board and all the council members and people out it. I love the idea of having that to open up in the beginning, because you know what it says to me? It says whatever an association opens their convention with, and right out of the gate is what they feel is important, where the emphasis is. And, um, and then these, these uh, candidates who have just, you know, uh, really made a tremendous commitment to get those designations, they're acknowledged in front of all their peers, and uh, and I think it, it inspires others to want to do that. And we got a lot of great comments and things that are coming in, Mark. I think, you know, some of the uh, staff was asked, and obviously uh, myself and others, hey, you know what, I, I'd like to. So when are you having the prereqs? And when can, you know, um, I, I want to be a CR, I want to be a WLCMP, et cetera. So uh, I thought that was fantastic. Um, I'm very happy. Uh, and, Chuck, I agree with you. The energy in that, in that room well, just, first of all, the energy generally in convention was really fantastic, but in that, uh, um, the, uh, the young mentoring group, um, and, and there's one, uh, two, two people that we actually haven't recognized, so now it's time for me to kind of uh, uh, cover the butts of um, my bosses. <laughs> Number one, Katie Smith in the North Carolina uh, put the whole mentoring program together. She's the chair of our membership committee. She's on our, our board of directors. And uh, Katie just quietly goes about doing the business that needs to be done, and she's leading that charge. And um, I think she's done a fantastic job. The staff plays on Megan. Um, I, 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 want to, I won't say her last name because I don't want to mispronounce her part. <laughs> but Megan, thank you. Megan, uh, Katie and Megan put that whole thing together, coordinated that, and um, I think they, they, they deserve a real good, I guess, out of girl wouldn't be an out of boy because they're, they're ladies. <laughs> um, the other thing that happened, Joe, to kind of wrap up where I think it's going, you know, on the, on the questions we had about, you asked is, what, why is the restoration industry so fractured? What could be done? So I want to close with, with suggesting what I think could be done about it. Um, the, edu- the Education Committee and RA Certification Committee, and uh, Bill Prather, the, the staff liaison for education, has uh, worked with me responsible for the entire, putting the entire program off, going the way it did. Will Reed is based out of Chicago, Smith Buckland. Um, 
who's come on fairly recently and has a tremendous uh, background and certification, is heading up the, the certification council as they're going through the process to uh, to build all the criteria for the new rollout of the, of the certification um, CR program next year. And the one thing that REA has been doing, and we've talked about this, is we have a wall. The certification process to develop the exam is separate than the body of knowledge and the development of the the courses and the preparatory courses, meaning instructors are not going to know what's on the exam. They're going to base everything based on the body and knowledge. Um, we had a special strategy meeting on how we move forward, and that meeting was just fantastic because now that's basically set the agenda for REA to complete the publication this year of the Certified Restorer Body and Knowledge, which is, which is a culmination of six years of work. The official name of that document called the uh, Restoration Industry Association Certified Restorer Curriculum, the complete body of knowledge for those pursuing excellence in restoration education and training. We have really, as far as I'm concerned, complete industry support. Besides the multiple peer reviews and uh, the, the work of the committee and I in 10,000 hours over a three-year period, we got uh, the, the American um, uh, the, uh, Association of Industrial Hygienists, AIHA, provided an organizational review. IEQA and um, their board have provided a review. The Restoration Sciences Academy, the largest training division, I think, in the industry, has provided a review. And just a couple weeks ago, I got the final uh, review in from the IICRC. Got a letter from Pete Duncanson as the chair. Um, with the, the review in the Excel document, which was facilitated by Billy Washington and Randy Rapp. And now we're ready to move forward in a joint project between education and certification to do the final vetting, handle the comments, and then present this to the RA Board of Directors and ask that the document be, be published. And the industry will have a complete body of knowledge. Even though it has RA's name to it, I would ask that people refer to it as the industry, the restoration industry body knowledge. Nobody basically, you know, we may talk about the S500, S520, but it's the, those are the industry standards on water and mold, and the whole industry support it. And I think if we put the territorialism aside and we work together for the greater good, um, I think that's how we basically start to, to change the fracturization. And I think if we do that as an industry first, that will then also spill over narrowing the divide that exists between the restorers and the insurers. And the reason I could say this, and I believe it so firmly, is that once we've established the body of knowledge, once we've agreed on the standards, when you listen to Ken talk so passionately about how he, he, he actually really likes to set forward on you know, those that are working, who would ever thought the other words come out of his mouth? He's smiling over <laughs> here. Now we have the real information based on science, based on research, based on true consensus of how we can work together as an industry. And I and I think it's just been the process we've been involving. I think we're at the forefront now. I of, of Jim Collins refers to it as the the uh, the turning of the flywheel. It takes a while, you do one little push, then another. And now I think we got the point where that, that flywheel. This kind of lends to the comments that Chuck made, the energy. Mark, we're right there. We're ready. The industry's ready to explode. They're ready to work together. The new young restorers come in and they, they don't care about a lot of that other stuff. What they want is they want to learn. They want to hear from the mentors. They want to apply it. And, and they want to, you know, they want to improve their businesses. So 
for whatever that's worth, I think uh, I think the documents and the things that RA has worked on, our, our fire standard documents, we should be ready, you know, sometime this year to go out for public review. Everyone's asking about that. Those committees are working hard. Um, uh, you know, the, the other documents RA has developed over the last couple of years, standardized contracts, our accounting and financial management guidelines, the restoration standard terminology glossary on the website. When you take all those documents that RA has worked on, you take all the IICRC technical standards that they've worked on. That's where all the information is for the industry to work to work more closely together. And if we do that, I hope to see that we'll have solutions to narrow the divide that exists between restorers and insurers so we can better serve policyholders and the disaster victims and the customers that we mutually have. So on that note, gentlemen, I, I want to thank you two again for really the fantastic job uh, I'm doing the moderating the panel clip. I'm looking forward to see the, the draft blog of the proceedings so that we can um, finalize uh, a transcription document of the entire panel proceedings that uh, will be submitted to CNR to be published. And uh, I think people as want that can also be published on uh, the IQ Radio website. So we have a wide audience of people that can be, see what, on the record what the issues are, what the solutions may be and uh, can enter into the debate. I would encourage anyone here who uh, wants to weigh in on your thoughts, uh, want to submit an article for the magazine, social media, interested in doing a presentation next year, you know, reach out to me, reach out to someone you know, and uh, and uh, we really want to uh, include as many people as possible. So anyway, uh, on that note, gentlemen, thank you. I think it's been a great show. Uh, Chuck, Mark, I know you've all been traveling back. Appreciate your calling in and weighing in. Thank you very much. And uh, and uh, all right. and continue to work with you guys to to advance RAA and to help improve and advance the industry. I thank this week's guests: Pete Consigli, Ken Larson, Chuck Violand, and Mark Salvatelli. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, much appreciated. Of course, thanks to my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. John, you got to have faith at the controls. Our growing group of loyal listeners, by the way, these are now going up on YouTube. Um, we, we just started that about uh, two weeks ago, huh, John? And they're doing really, uh, they're, they're much easier to work with up on YouTube. Of course, you can still get it through TalkShoe. You can download through our website. But uh, check out the YouTube version when you get a chance. We'll be back next Friday for the next episode of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.